morning, everyone. For endless days we will sing his praise. I trust that's a thought that resonates well in our lives, the things we say and the things we do. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Welcome, especially those of you that might be visiting with us today. Pastor Paul is out of town. He and Karen are celebrating uh, an anniversary, number 51. So uh, congratulate them when they return. They're uh, going to be back this uh, early this coming week. Today, uh, we want to uh, use a little bit. I want, to, I want to compliment some of what Pastor Paul's been so masterfully taking us through, looking at the unseen world. Hadn't that been an impactful study, an important reminder of everything that uh, is going on beyond our natural physical sight? And today, I want to remind us some of that. I've got a question, though, that I think some of you, I feel pretty good. Don't worry, it's okay. Nobody will get hurt in this experiment. How many of you will know what this is, if you can see it? What is it? A plumb line, right? Everybody knows a plumb line? You know what you can't do with a plumb line? You can't argue with it. It is right every time. You can't look at it and go, I don't know. It looks like it's leaning a little bit, you know, this way. I don't know if I trust it or not plumb line. And yet, what building of any value and worth and stability is going to be built without a plumb line? Such a simple place. Many of you here work in the construction industry, have experience in it. I built a doghouse once. <laughs> and you know the value of a plumb line. This will be an even easier one. How many of you know what this one is, right? Tape measure. You know what you can't do with a tape measure? You can't argue with it. You can't go, well, I know it says that's two feet, but that literally looks too long to me. I'll, I'll, I just think it, it just can't be right. Your personal opinion makes no difference to the tape measure. It's true whether you believe it or not. It's true whether you accept it or not. It's true in every situation. You can measure vertically, horizontally. You can measure in the morning, the evening, even on weekends. It is still true. Such simple applications of truth. Truth that we all know is practical to our everyday lives. And yet, it's interesting, isn't it, that we find ourselves in a culture that can't really figure out truth. It's an important concept. It gets sure talked about a lot. Truth. Now, I like the words tied to this little simple definition here. Genuine. That which is genuine. That which is factual. That, of course, which is true. And that which is proven. Validated. Just like you can't argue with a tape measure or a plumb line. Truth always stands. Doesn't matter your opinion of it. It doesn't matter your friend's opinion of it. It doesn't matter the cultural opinion of it. Truth stands alone. It's applicable in every life, in every situation. The laws that are established by truth are validated through experience. Gravity will work for every person that jumps off this building today, no matter what age you are. By the way, I hope you don't jump off a building. 
But you'll find out very quickly. Truth will settle in and win the argument every time. What we find ourselves doing in today's world is often arguing with truth. Our pastor has taken us, as I said, masterfully through this study on the unseen world to remind us that there are events and happenings beyond our physical capacity to see and to comprehend. And yet the scripture talks about those realities in such a way in which it reminds us that these are things that are actually happening. There is a supernatural. You go to the philosophy class, they'll call it metaphysics, but it's the same thing. It's, there is something beyond us that has value. And we do ourselves poor service if we ignore it. So today I want to take us to some scriptures. You're welcome to follow me. I'll have them on the screen. But I want to look at the Bible's argument for us to be aware of what truth around us we need to be sensitive to regarding the unseen world. The Bible, of course, is God's truth. We accept the Bible as generations before us have. As God's eternal truth, inspired by God, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, that all Scripture is given by inspiration. God exhaled his word. And through the hands of man, his word was recorded. The Bible stands for us to record for us a history of humanity, beginning with the creation. And following particularly a path beginning in Genesis 12 with a man named Abraham. The path through the nation that will become Israel. And the path that leads us ultimately to the promised one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The one promised, the one fulfilled in those promises. God in human flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we do well, as JT said, to start our day here at church singing about the eternal Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we value this book. And whether this is your first time at gospel or your 7,432nd time at gospel, let me tell you this Bible is preached here because we hold its truths to be dear and eternal. We hold this truth to be God-breathed, God-exhaled so that we could inhale. And he provides for us everything we need to know regarding his plan of salvation. How we are sinful people, are we not? For indeed, there is none righteous, the scripture says. No, not one, not a single one. We all fall short of the glory of God. Truths that help us to mark our lives. Truths that remind us we must be born again. Truths that tell us to walk in the path of righteousness. Avoid the path of the fool. Stay away from it. The, the scriptures give us in very plain and very understandable language. Don't go the broad way that leads to destruction, as Jesus said in Matthew 7. Take the path that God has. For in it you will find truth 
And through that truth, you will enjoy the blessings of life. The scripture in those truths has warnings for us, though. Warnings that we need to heed. I made the example this morning in the young adults group. Have you noticed when you ride down the road how all the signs are always telling us what to do? Stop here. No left turn. It's like they want to make my life miserable by telling me all these things I can't do. No. If you pay attention to the road signs, you'll get to your destination and back home safely. It's all the rest of you I worry about out there. <laughs> pay attention to the road signs. Pay attention to the warnings. To ignore the, war the warnings is going to be devastation for everyone. I don't care what that sign says. Boy, that, that attitude won't last you long on the highway at all, will it? That speed limit, that's way too fast. I think I'll slow down. No, it's way too slow. I think I'll speed up. Follow the signs. God says in his word, I give you this, that it may be for you a road sign through life. That whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. That you understand that there's a reality beyond the moment, beyond this life. Today I want to allow us to hear some of the warnings of Scripture. And I want us to hear the truth of God's Word in light of the culture we live in. Because I have suspicions that like me, you probably occasionally hear a radio show or watch a TV broadcast or even go on this thing called the World Wide Web and see things that are happening in the world around us. Let's look at some verses. We'll start with 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Hear this warning of Peter written in the first century, and here we stand 2,000 years later almost. How authentic does this sound to our day? There shall be false teachers among you who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies. They're going to try to sneak it in. They'll have it in their coat, hidden in a carry-on case. They're going to bring it in. You won't see it initially. They will bring these heresies in, these false teachings. Even the worst of all, denying the Lord that bought them. Oh, there's, a, there's another way. Jesus... Oh, good guy. We respect Jesus. We like Jesus. We even sometimes say, what would Jesus do? But you know what? There's these other options. These heresies deny the Lord. And they bring upon themselves swift destruction. They are their own cause of their demise. That's what heresies will do for you, won't it? It's like trying to argue with the tape measure. You can say it's not 24 inches all you want to, but the tape measure always wins that argument. And arguing with God's word is very much the same way. You can have your opinion about it, but in the end, truth is going to prevail. Here's a sad reality. Many shall follow their pernicious. Some translations use the word wicked or evil. Many shall follow their evil ways. 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Our culture today wrestles with this idea of truth. They try to make the lie into a truth and the truth into a lie. They'll use big flowery words to do it. And they'll use celebrities to promote it. And they'll use their pipelines of influence through the internet to cast seeds, seeds that will grow to become destructive and poisonous to those who eat their fruit. Isn't that an insight appropriate for today's world? The Apostle John, recorded for us in 1 John chapter 4, writes to the Christians of his day, but it sure echoes true to ours. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Try them how? Try them against the standard of truth. Whether or not they are of God, here's the standard. If their preaching lines up here, if it prioritizes God's priority, then the reality is there's a good likelihood that they might be worth listening to. But know well that there are those who will hold a Bible in their hand and speak the name of Jesus. But they are nothing more, as he says here, than a false prophet. Let us not be gullible Christians. Let's not fall for the bait of the heretics. Let's not chase down the trail of those who make promises outside of God's word and proclaim a gospel that is foreign to the truth of Scripture. In a similar vein, Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, particularly, giving us a warning that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Those are strong words. They remind us again that there are those out there whose intent is to lie and to deceive and to pull us into their trap. Who like the mouse, boy, that looks like a good piece of cheese on that little wooden thing. What is that? How harmful can that be? I think I'll just take a nibble. It's the last thought you have as a mouse. Because the trap is set. It is set with doctrines that are not built upon the truth. They're built upon man's fanciful imagination. They're built upon man's wishful thinking. Oh, I wish it wasn't so. I wish there was another way besides Jesus. I wish there was another truth besides the Bible. And by the multitudes, they chase after those things. Let us not be gullible. Another passage, similarly, the Apostle Paul writes here to a, a group of Christians in the city of Corinth. He speaks of those false apostles. And in doing so, he says they are deceitful workers. Lying is their primary tool. Look what they do. They transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. 
They take on titles that they do not rightly deserve. They take on positions. They find themselves in a place where they're able to influence multitudes. They transform themselves to apostles of Christ. But as if, as if he were to say, and no marvel, well, that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan will disguise himself so as to allure us away, to pull us into the misdirected path of heresy and false teaching. And even beyond that, he will go on to say, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, his who? Satan's. That Satan's ministers, his servants, is the word there, that his servants also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. The transformation spoken of here is simply an outward appearance. It's putting on the, the face and the covering to look like something you're not. It's a masquerade. So what's the warning? All these verses. And listen, these are from four different men. This is Peter speaking, John speaking, Timothy speaking, Paul speaking. These warnings are appropriate for today because we need to be aware that the unseen world is making its presence known in the seen world. False prophets, false teachers, false apostles, Satan's false ministers, working to seduce and use their demonic capacity to work in and through human agents, all to tear down the truth, all against the gospel, all for the purpose of going against God's intent. Where do we see these? There's multitudes. I could fill a dozen slides or more with similar experiences. The cults are still out there. Right? The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, Church of Scientology, and all of their writers and their proponents of their way of religion is still a falsehood to the very core. The atheists are still out there. God is not great, they say. You believe in God, it's just a delusion. The good atheist, they're trying to peddle their wares through attractive faces, mellow voices. Well, it sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Can't you be a good person and not believe in God? The truth says there is none righteous. No, not one. Probably most influential in today's culture and it has come out from underground in our lifetime, 
is the occult. We won't take the time now, so let me point you to it and maybe take some time to read and read a good commentary on it. Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is a point in the place of, you know, Deuteronomy's not a place you might think to to go to get this instruction, but this is an important time in God's history of Israel. Israel is preparing to go into the promised land. And before they do so, God will speak through Moses to a generation that needs to hear the warnings. Because once they go into the promised land, they're going to encounter things they've never seen before. And the warning given in Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12, is very clear. These practices which you will see those people do, as I paraphrase it, are practices that are an abomination. That is the strongest word that could be used to identify something that is vile to the holiness of God, an abomination. These activities, and he lists nine of them. I won't take the time to go through each, but let's just read through them quickly. Fire rituals. One of the things today is to be catching some popularity is called fire walking. Fire rituals. God says, that's an abomination. Divination, observer of times, enchanter, the word witch. In today's world, that's the Wiccan movement. Charmers, consulter with familiar spirits, wizards. Those all have to do with psychic, occult practices of witches, of which there are plenty of them. Pagans. I could take you a place less than probably three miles from here where there's an active pagan activity. They're in our community, folks. The occult has found its way. How, how many times do we ride down the road and see the psychic sign? Tarot card reader. The real pit, though, is found on the Internet where the occult is reaching multitudes as they aim for our children. Horoscopes. Research has said for many years the most widely read event in every publication that puts them is the horoscope. People put their hands in the destiny of the stars. Those who read crystal ball are used what are called rune stones. Are they like charms? Does it catch your attention? It does mine when you ride down the road just Get to a stoplight. How many cars around you have some type of good luck charm hanging down from the rearview mirror? People wear their good luck charms. Where they, all they're doing is just saying, here's where my faith is. My faith is in this or that. I trust my faith to the stars, to a good luck charm, to a spell. Walk into a bookstore. And you will find shelves upon shelves of occultic books, many of them aimed particularly at young people. A little bit of a ruckus in our community, what, a year or so ago? After school Satan Club. Supported by the Satanic Temple, which is found in most large cities, 
There is a church of Satan, too, by the way. And your donations are just as tax-free to them as they are to us. Do not be deceived. Do not be detoured. Do not be gullible enough to think that there's nothing wrong with this. A generation was raised under Harry Potter. And they were exposed to witchcraft at levels that were never known to previous generations. And it used to be, if you wanted to find the occultist, you had to know where the dark alley was. Which door? What was the secret knock? But now it's as close as a toy department in some retail places. It's certainly available online. Some of the most popular TV shows have occultic themes to them now. And not lighthearted cultic themes, very dark and very substantially engraved occultic themes in them. But there's also, if that was only the only group had to worry about, there's also those out now teaching their philosophies of new spirituality, pluralism. We've all got a God. You know, the question to ask people anymore is not, do you believe in God? Research will tell you across the board, most people believe in God by large amounts of percentages. That's not the question. The question is, which God do you believe in? Which God will your allegiance, will your love, will your faith be tied to? The influence of Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism represented on these things up here. The all-seeing eye right in the middle. These are things that are finding their way into a multitude of lives through our culture. The non-religious way to be spiritual. I believe in God, but I don't care about the church. I believe in God, but I've got my own way to God. Those are realities that we have to face and that we have to acknowledge our lies because they don't stand to the truth. Indeed, the bucket is full of those false teachers. The unseen world is making its presence known. They seek to diminish the gospel, destroy the church, dilute the truth, and distract from following God. And the sad reality is they have many victims strewn along the path. Theirs indeed is the way of destruction, the broad way of bondage, addiction, and ultimately death. Their tools of distraction, denial, and deception have proven ever so effective because people are not grounded in the truth. To know what is authentic is to then know the counterfeit. Some of you here have worked in the banking industry. And you know that one of the priorities of the banking industry is get rid of the counterfeits. They've become more numerous in our generation. How many times have now do you hand somebody a $20 bill and they stop and check it with a counterfeit pen? Or they hold it up to see the watermark? 
if you know the authentic, if you know the genuine, if you know the truth, the counterfeit will always stick out. Their aim is to, re- is to remain making the truth into a lie and the lie to sound like truth. What is our defense against these? We're given a brief description of it in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll not turn there. It's a familiar passage to many of you. The armor of God. The defense against these strategies, these wiles of the devil, they're called. A belt of truth. A breastplate of righteousness. Feet prepared with the gospel of peace. A shield of faith. A helmet of salvation. And the one offensive weapon that we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Scripture says. It is with this truth that we're able to recognize and to repel the attacks of the false teachers. Yea, even the attacks of Satan and his disguised minions have no power against the truth. For the scripture tells us there in that passage of Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. With God's truth, we can stand our ground. We can defend what is valuable to us. We can defend our faith. We can defend our family. We can defend our future. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These are words that all describe that unseen reality. Principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness in the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're told, take this armor on. This will be your preparation for this defense. And it's important we remind ourselves that the target, the target of these demonic intentions is most often the most vulnerable among us, the children. The gospel gets diluted. Let's remind ourselves the gospel is not about making us better people. It is not about giving us a life of comfort and ease. It's not about making of us better moral agents. The gospel, the gospel, it is about Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, dying on a cross, buried, risen the third day to prove his power, his authority, his capacity to overcome the death that Satan seeks to invoke. And as a risen again Savior, he today in the throne of heaven is our commander, our captain. The gospel calls us That by grace through faith, you too can have eternal life. But that's the turning point. 
Have we accepted by grace through faith that eternal life made possible to us through Jesus Christ and him alone? And if we have accepted Christ, are we growing in our faith? Are we maturing? Are we seeing ourselves as we truly are and how God wants us to be? Growing in the faith. And then being prepared to stand for the truth and to stand for righteousness. I mentioned the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 where the Apostle Paul writes to that church who were living in a very vile culture themselves. And he says to the men of that church, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. The King James translates it, quit you like men. The word quit there simply means to act. Act like men, he says, be strong. In this church, in a very vile culture, very ungodly culture, he speaks to the men of that church and says, be on watch be on guard. He says, stand fast, hold your ground. Don't give up your convictions. Act like men and be strong. Let all your things be done with charity is the King James word. The word is love, godly love. Let me give you that verse from the Amplified and hear the expounding of those ideas. The Amplified translates it this way. Paul's words to the men of Corinth, be on guard. Stand firm in your faith in God, respecting his precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. He's saying you better know the truth or you'll fall victim and your family victims to these lies. Act like mature men and be courageous and strong. Let everything you do be done in love motivated and inspired by God's love for us. The English Standard Version shortens it up quite a bit, but still very powerful. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Do you hear the common thread between so many of those verses that remind us what to do? It's to stand. To stand, to stand, to stand. Stand for something or you'll fall for anything, someone once said. It's still true today. I choose to stand on the truth of God's word. I choose to stand on the eternal precepts of what God has told us as we battle this unseen world. Our call, though, isn't just to curse the darkness. That's almost the easy thing to do. Wow, look at that. I can't believe what they're teaching. Did you see what I saw? Did you hear what I heard? No, our call isn't just to be cursors of the darkness. It's to be carriers of the light. To take the gospel. Because God has loved us, we have the opportunity to display that love to others. We're to be carriers of the light. For indeed, it is the light that dispels the darkness. 
It's the light that reveals the critters crawling across the kitchen floor. It's the light that shows the falsity of the counterfeits. We are to be carriers of the light as we stand. It is an unmistakable call of the Bible and, and an undeniable reality that will keep us from being victims of deception. I want to stand. I want to stand and defend the faith that's been handed down to us faithfully by generations before us. I want to stand faithfully to prepare a generation that will surely follow us. I want to stand that I might defend my family. So men, I speak to you. You know who you are. The culture is unsure what a man is. They can't define what a woman is. But I feel pretty confident in that setting. You know the difference. So men, I speak to you. I want to challenge you as the scripture does. This is a task that demands the strength of God, the courage of conviction, and the commitment to love, beginning with our love for Christ. Man, the scripture says it starts with us. When Paul wrote to a church trying to battle the culture, he said, men, be strong, be courageous, defend the truth as you defend your family. An invader in your home would quickly find, it, find himself with an opposition because the father of the house would stand. Let us be as equally diligent to stand and defend our family against these false teachers. Against those who disguise themselves as light. Oh, it looks innocent enough. Let's find ourselves being able to recognize because we know the truth, the counterfeits. May the false prophets, the false teachers, the false apostles, Satan's false ministers find men standing, standing for what is right and true. May we lead our families in such a way. May we be such an influence upon our children and grandchildren that we prepare them for what's ahead. Life will throw plenty at them as it has us. Let us not let those experiences and those realities go to waste. Let's not take our regrets and allow a generation that follows us to turn their back on God's word without hearing the truth of what it plainly teaches. That's the importance in the work of a church to do, partly. Not entirely, but we certainly have a place in that. But you know, even on the best of weeks, how long are you at church? Three hours, four, if you come to maybe something special. What's you going to fill the rest of the time with? Let it be filled with godly influence. Let it be filled with biblical teaching. So men, I speak to you today. But ladies, you certainly are not excluded. Your role is vital. Your role is essential. As you too stand firm, conviction 
encourage, echo through your words. Allow God's word to penetrate you so that you may penetrate the heart of those in the shadow of your care. None of us are perfect. We struggle. We're often our own worst enemy, for sure. But let us be reminded that God has given us a clarion call to follow the truth. And let us be convinced. And in that conviction, be driven by the truth of God's word. For there will be those who will surely attack it. And let us stand. And having done all to stand, stand with conviction, as Paul says in Ephesians. Bow your heads with me, if you will, please. I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts today. The reality of our life is we struggle because we're all faulty individuals. Even as Christians, we are struggling. Let us be reminded our strength is found in Christ, our Redeemer. As the Apostle Paul himself would say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me in Philippians. Let us once again find a renewal to seek his strength and his capacity and his wisdom as we seek to know the truth, to live the truth, and to teach the truth. Let us stand to defend as we bear the light of God's word. Maybe today in your heart, the Lord would bring to mind the fact that you have not received this salvation, this gift of eternal life. The truth is, Jesus said, you must be born again. Marvel not, he said, that I say to you, you must be born again. Where do you stand in that question of salvation? Maybe that's a need for you today. And if so, I remind you what the scripture says also. Call upon the Lord. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The door of salvation is open. Will you accept the invitation? Will you receive the gift? If so, it's a prayer, a heartfelt prayer. Lord, I'm incapable of saving myself. I know my sin. It's a heartfelt prayer of repentance. Lord, forgive me that I might receive eternal life and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe today you would say with assured confidence, my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other but him in my life. Well, then let me remind you the importance of standing for the truth. The importance of providing an anchor for those who are drifting. Some even in our own families. That we will stand to be a, a beacon of light through our life and through our words. I pray we'll refine new, renewed strength in the Lord to do those things. Father, work in hearts today. We are all needful in some way, for sure. And I pray that we will find our supply in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Help us to realize the unseen world is not just the out there. It's also the in here. It's in our homes. It's in our culture. Help us to 
realize we need your strength. We need your courage as we stand. Make us men and women of conviction and courage in these days where there is so much false teaching, so much confusion. Help us to point others to the same truth that we hold true in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Join me in standing, if you will. JT's going to lead us here as we close our time. The altar is open if you need to come. But boy, what a great song to conclude with. Let Jesus be the center.